It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Monday, May 2nd, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this is Raven News. Running a community radio station is no easy feat, but doing it alone is another story. Just ask Lee Benson, the sole operator of Yakutat's KYKT station. KCAW's Tosh Kimmel reports. If you turn on your radio in Yakutat, Alaska, there's a 50% chance you're tuned in to KYKT. The local radio station broadcasts an eclectic mix of music, perfect for driving down the coastal village's winding back roads. But unlike most community stations, KYKT doesn't have a bunch of staff members and volunteers spinning discs. It's run by one man, Lee Benson. And I, I've pretty much done all the technical stuff. I had to learn how to do the software, how to, you know, how to, how the system, how a radio station works, all the little components. I meet Benson at the station, a single room in the back of the magistrate's office. I follow the sound of music down a narrow hallway to find Benson in front of an aging desktop computer. The room is sparsely decorated, except for a painting of a moose and an elaborate doodle of how the radio station functions. It doesn't look like much, but this homegrown station has been invaluable for the community. It's a really great tool for getting messages out, um, especially to, you know, not, not everybody has uh, does Facebook and social media, um, so it, it reaches an audience that is, is not really computer users. Benson says during the coronavirus pandemic, the radio station became even more necessary. City assembly meetings were happening without a public audience, and he was broadcasting them for the community. The, even the local basketball games will broadcast, because there are some people that can't get out. It's a, it's a resource they have available to them. When Benson came to Yakutat 15 years ago from New Mexico, he didn't know anything about radio. He'd come to work for the Forest Service, the same job he has today. It was during a trip to Huna that the idea of a local radio station first crossed his mind. I actually credit it to a fellow. Uh, he used to work in Huna. His name is Rich Jennings, and he w- he worked for the Forest Service in Huna, and he was a, a kind of a radiophile and uh, really into music. And he set up <clears throat> a little station in the school there. It was part of their curriculum there. I thought it was a neat idea. But when it came time for the radio engineer to leave, he needed to show someone how to operate the station. The program manager was out of town, so Benson stepped in temporarily. Now, some eight years later, he's the sole manager, DJ, and engineer of KYKT. So I said, okay, I'll, you know, show me and I'll, I'll show it to the program manager. So that, that uh, that's kind of how that started. Though Benson didn't expect to be so involved in the station, he's always had high hopes for what it could bring to Yaktat. And originally, we had been slated to work with the school, um, but unfortunately there, there was a change in leadership at the school, and so they decided they couldn't afford to be involved. While the station has the capacity for a wide range of production, the majority of its output is automated or pre-recorded. Benson says KYKT has the potential to do much more. Oh, we can do do anything that a regular radio station does. I can't really speak for the community, but I can. I hope we at some point get other people involved and, and get the school involved. I was really kind of amazed at, at uh, how many people will you know see me in the store and say, "Hey, you know, I really like the station." And so people are listening. Still, after eight years of being the man behind the mic, he's ready for someone else to take the reins. It's been a really interesting, and I, I've. 
I've enjoyed it, um, but it wasn't really something I intended to, to do, and, and I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to, to, you know, somebody getting additional people involved, and, and uh, I very much support keeping it going. For now, KYKT will continue to broadcast music and the occasional sports update. But in the future, Benson hopes Yakutat can lift up this one-room radio station to its full potential. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Tosh Kimmel. Port communities in southeast Alaska are seeing the return of cruise ships last week as the Norwegian Bliss made the inaugural voyage of the season. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, tour operators and residents in Ketchikan say they're glad to see some fresh faces in town. Bagpipes greeted the first passengers of the 2022 cruise season in Ketchikan as they stepped off the megaship Norwegian Bliss. Visitors filed inside Ward Cove's former pulp mill warehouse that's now been restyled as a cruise terminal. Inside, Erica DeMonte was waiting for a kayak trip to the Tatouche Islands after disembarking from the Bliss. Though the ship is carrying just about 2,000 people, about half of its capacity, the Vancouver, B.C. resident says the ship doesn't feel like it. I'm really surprised at how full it is. It's really crowded. I guess everyone's looking forward to like going on cruises again. City officials here in Ketchikan say they're expecting early season ships to bring about 30 to 50 percent of their typical capacity, though passenger numbers are expected to rise to nearly 90 percent by the peak of the summer. Allen Marine Sales Manager Eric Scheppner says the slow start is a bit of a blessing in disguise. He says the tour company had to lay off much of its staff during the pandemic. Uh, I have a lot of new crew, so I have a lot of them with me here today, and uh, it's a good way to train them up and not be too crazy yet until next week. So, Many Ketchikan residents seem to be jazzed about the return of large ships, too. Bob Thomas tells me from outside a local grocery store that he's glad tourists are returning to Ketchikan, which relies on visitors to fuel much of the economy. We need the revenue. You know, I've been here all my life, and I'm glad to see them come back. Outside the Sourdough Bar, resident Aaron Scholl says it's a good time to be looking for work. I think wages are up for everybody around here too this year. Lack of employees still, so if you guys need a job, show up. <laughs> Come on out and get it. Though it's not clear how full the ships will be, the Ketchikan Visitors Bureau is projecting a record 637 port calls by 48 ships this year. That's about six times as many port calls as last year. And it's about 12% more than 2019. That was a record-setting season with nearly 1.2 million passengers. Alaska's cruise season is scheduled to run through October 21st when the last cruise ship ties up for the year in Ketchikan. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Sitka will see its first big cruise ship today on May 2nd with the arrival of the 2100-passenger Radiance of the Seas. In Juneau, the city collects over $6 million in taxes a year on the sale of groceries. Economists say that food taxes hurt the neediest people the most. Exempting food from sales tax is a crowd-pleaser, but many past assemblies have failed to make it happen, in part because the options for recouping the lost revenue are politically fraught. KTOO's Jeremy Shea reports. Back in March, City Finance Director Jeff Rogers gave the assembly his take on why exempting food from sales tax has repeatedly stalled out. When we look back and think about why it would appear that so many assemblies have aspired uh, to do uh, what this assembly aims to do uh, and have never succeeded, I think choice overload is one of those problems. There's just a lot of ways to skin that cat. For example, what is food? With past unproductive debates in mind, the assembly agreed to go with only foods covered by SNAP, the federally funded program that helps low-income households buy food. 
Grocers' checkout systems are already set up to recognize these foods and exempt them from sales tax when someone buys them with SNAP benefits. SNAP covers most basic groceries, but Assemblymember Michelle Hale acknowledged the list isn't ideal. Things like hot chicken from the grocery store, pet food, uh, diapers, you know, are not exempted. I think they should be. I think there's a lot of those items that should be, and soda pop probably shouldn't be a SNAP item, but it is. But she and the other assembly members agreed to set those gripes aside and go with the SNAP list for the sake of simplicity. Now, the assembly is wrestling with what to do with the loss of about $6 million a food exemption would lead to for the city. Most assembly members agree that they want to replace at least half of it with something. Deciding what that something is is where it gets tough. In committee, the assembly is considering repealing or tightening other existing sales tax breaks, each with its own fans. For example, Mayor Beth Weldon suggested eliminating an exemption on sales by nonprofits. But Assemblymember Barbara Wachla-Gadak-Blake didn't agree with that. I think that the nonprofits that, that I'm considering, at least just at the top of my head, provide a service for our community. Social services, they provide education services for our youth. They're helping our community and providing a service that we might otherwise have to provide ourselves if they weren't stepping up and helping our community. The Assembly has not made any decisions on changing existing exemptions. That leaves new taxes. Assembly members have floated the possibility of raising the sales tax rate, maybe just in the summer, or raising property taxes. In 2019, Rogers ran some numbers to try to predict how a sales tax exemption on food, plus a seasonal sales tax rate of 6%, would affect local households, summer visitors, and the city's bottom line. He estimated that, on average, local households would save money, a summer visitor would pay about a dollar extra, and the city would lose about half a million dollars in revenue. In 2014, the Greater Juno Chamber of Commerce supported exempting food and utilities and to pay for it with an increase in the overall sales tax rate. It opposed a seasonal sales tax increase, saying it unfairly targets the visitor industry. The Chamber's position has changed since then. Last week, it encouraged the Assembly to pay for the food exemption without new taxes, in line with the results of a member survey in March. Chamber Executive Director Craig Dahl says the city's finances are in a much better position now, with a lot more cash on hand. When the Chamber made its recommendation several years ago, it was kind of a three-legged stool. There were several pieces to the recommendation, and the Assembly only chose one of them. And so those conditions don't exist now the same way they did in 2014. Deputy Mayor Maria Gladyshevsky chaired the Assembly's most recent committee meeting on the food exemption and wrapped up the discussion like this. Good job. I mean, it's not easy. That's why nobody did it before. <laughs> the city's charter requires voters approve changes to the sales tax rate. To get a sales tax question on the October ballot, the Assembly must pass an ordinance by August 4th. In Juno, I'm Jeremy Shea. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. 